I don't care if they win or lose. It's still not a derby. But we'll talk about it here on the Owls AmeriCast. Sheffield Wednesday opinion with American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. We're into September now. We might have been into September last week. It was close. I don't remember what day we recorded. But regardless, it's getting towards fall. We're past Labor Day. I start thinking about brown ales, fest beers, maybe a porter for the chillier nights on the cocktail side, Manhattan's Old Fashions, Boulevardiers, a little more spirit forward, dark liquor. It's still 102 degrees every day here. So I am drinking a Mai Tai. Um, the Smuggler's Cove recipe, the tea bar out of San Francisco, they recommend a aged pot still Jamaican run for this. I live in Utah. My rum options are limited. So I have a, a very lightly aged uh, Appleton. Did follow the recipe with the split sugar base of two to one simple and orgeant. And of course, orange curacao and lime juice. It's basically a fancy rum margarita. It's lovely. Makes me think of the beach, which might have been where Wednesday were for the Barnsley match. But we will get to that in due time. With my two co-hosts, first in New England, so New England L, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Jeff, I love the intro. Mm. Uh, I am drinking Berkshire Brewing Company's Drayman's Porter. Mm, there uh, you go. Berkshire Brewing Company, as uh, somebody who went to school in Western Mass, is one of the first uh, sort of microbrew local breweries yes. that I, I ran into. Um, wonderful. And this is one of my favorite beers and I haven't had it in a little while. I, I saw a four pack today, I picked it up. I hate to be overly long. I usually save that for the previews, but, uh, let me just read the, uh, description here. A full bodied dark Ruby Brown ale. Draymond's Porter is slightly sweet with notes of chocolate malt and coffee married in a delicate hot bitterness and flavor. It's complex aroma and smooth taste and body all that a dark beer should be. Enjoy by itself or with a hearty meal. This robust porter will satisfy. I'm enjoying it by itself. <laughs> and it is, as always, a delight. I'll say it's almost 8 p.m. here. It is still 94 degrees. It is going to break on. It's going to be lovely next week. It's going to be like between 80 and 85 like every day and no humidity. But the last uh, last week we're, has been we're in, a little we're less We're into pleasant. the lovely New England fall weather. Yeah. You, you, that, that, Porter that appropriate, Brief yes. stretch of time. Yeah. yeah, it's 70s during the day, high 50s, low 60s at night. It's It's really nice. It's lovely. I'm wearing a shirt tonight, Jeff. <laughs> there you, you go. That's how you know. It's... <laughs> the chill is coming. But heating up our podcast content in the DMV, it's Chris Robinson. Chris, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Um, I, it's already a kind of, I guess, high of 70s and 50 degrees down in the, the D.C., Maryland, of Virginia area. Um, and this week is our first full week back in the corporate America office. So, uh, so I have hot green tea and it is <laughs> uh, wonderful. Otherwise I will not be waking up for, uh, for a mm. very important job tomorrow morning, but, um, all good. And, uh, excited to have a conversation about a non Derby on Saturday. Not a Derby. Yes. We will review that bad day at the office. We'll cover the Wednesday news and we'll preview Morecambe and Plymouth Argyle. But we'll start with Barnsley. Uh, in a word, I did actually stick to a word this week because it's all it really deserves. Stultifying, which describes both 
uh, Barnsley's approach to Wednesday and how I felt watching the game. I felt stultified, uh, much like the team. This was just, it was a very inert game. I mean, Barnsley weren't even that good, which is, I think, part of the annoying thing. They, they took their chances, and Wednesday were happy to give them enough chances for them to take. And we've seen this before, and it's just... I know, uh, it, as happens, every time Wednesday lose a game, we get the, the hashtag more out comes in. And we can look at sort of the tactics, how he set up, and maybe the midfield he played, um, and his inability to adjust maybe quickly enough to how Barnsley were playing. But, like, this is not the first time these players have been pressed. Like, it's this is a, a common defensive tactic in... Uh, from any level of football, really. Like, it's not like... This isn't like 2008 and, like, Gegen pressing is this, like, shocking, amazing, like, technical advancement in the sport. Like, yeah, no, if the guy has the ball, close down on the player quickly. Like, no, yeah, you got to be able to adjust to that. And they seem incapable to, of doing it. And this is what bugged me last week about the... Not not about the over-enthusiasm about the Forest Green Rovers game, which is a very a great performance. But again, Barnsley did not really come here to try to to kick it around and play. I mean, everyone plays out from the back, but they did not play like Forrest Green did. They were hunting in packs and not giving Wednesday time on the ball. And they seemed completely unable to deal with it. And this has been a recurring theme. We, uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, um, I would actually disagree. I I thought Barnsley were were actually good value, right? I mean, they, they were, they knew it. They were fine. They were fine. But but here's the thing they they came they had a tactical plan they knew what to do and they executed it to the to the letter and they and, brought substitutes on and it worked yep. and it they, and that has to go like they they walk away with three points and that's what they did but you watch that game and I agree with you like it wasn't like I sat there and maybe the first half I was kind of interested and then it um, it kind of got midway through the second half. I'm like, this is a really dull game, and it's quite hard to create social content around in a performance <laughs> where it's it's not particularly interesting. But it it just yeah, I thought Barnsley turned up, they did their jobs, and they left on the bus, and they they took the three points with them. And they, they, if they do that over the next forty uh, ish games that they have, they'll be right up there because they they performed fairly well, which you can't say for Sheffield Wednesday. And your word is in fact outthought. It completely outthought. Like he, I mean, even Darren Moore said at the end at the end of the game, I realized something was up after six minutes. Why the hell did it take <laughs> you seventy or sixty to seventy minutes to make an effing change? Like, and and I even commented, I think online, I was like, um, and you could hear uh, Mark McGuinness, who was on the um, oh no, Hedigan, sorry, on yeah. the on the cocoms, he 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 was saying like. Oh, we, we just need to like um, sit on this ball. We need to slow it down. We need to rethink. You could tell like they completely just looked a bit like oh we don't quite know what to do and and i even said like on twitter i said um this is a moment where david stocknell needs to tie his shoelaces <laughs> and darren moore needs to bring the team together and kind of resort it out and that they did it maybe 15 20 minutes in and and that was it they made a sub after 60 70 minutes which had uh zero impact and um there there should have been changes a bit a la like the carlos era in the first half of the game because they were getting out thought they were getting out for there were clearly players which were having too much of an off day and 
uh it just took too long to to make changes both on the pitch right the leaders on the pitch making significant decisions to change but then also off the pitch um also in in changing that that personnel and gee that bench was strong on saturday like they had they had a good strong bench and you it can was, make five subs. it was strong and they did they made their yeah. subs but they didn't really have the it, it was a lot of attacking talent on the bench they were not really able to shift up the midfield which was the issue and like look we've seen this before the way you beat um, this our incarnation and really the last seven years of Sheffield Wednesday teams is you clog that midfield and you keep them from having time and space on the ball to bring in the whether it's the wing backs or a marauding center back or moving the ball through the channel to the strikers you just do not give them whether it's you know whether it's Barry Bannon whether it's Kieran Lee whether it's Joey Bellafesi, who even didn't really matter, or whether it's uh, whoever is sort of pulling the strings in midfield, you don't give them the time to sort of knock it around, and they never have really figured out the the answer for it. They did not want to particularly play over the top, um, even with you know Gregory as a target man, and yeah, he's not an ideal target man for that. You know, he's he's not gonna he'll win a header and flick it on but he's not really it's not uh, gonna on, stick on to his him. De- on his day yeah. i think he's fine as a target man he had a tough day so what what they did was exactly what you're saying jeff you mentioned it on the social media too they they went man to man in the midfield and locked our midfield down and what they did is they pressed our wing backs so anytime we got the ball out of the back three they let us have it in the back line and as soon as we moved it up wide, which is our only choice because they were man-to-man in the middle, they jumped up and pressed. And Johnson was off his game, and Palmer just never even had a chance to see the ball. And so every time we tried to move it through the thirds, it got stuffed back in us. Uh, and, and Chris, the, the thing that I thought was wonderful is your word is outthought. My word was execution. I spent the entire day uh, complaining online because – as you pointed out, 15 minutes in, we all knew what the fucking problem was, and we all knew that there needed to be a change, and neither Moore nor Jamie Smith made a change. And in fact, when they made a change in the 63rd minute or whatever it was, they took the wrong guy out. Don't take out Windass for Smith. Take out Gregory for Smith. I love Lee Gregory. I think he should start most games. He didn't have it. Put Smith in. Make him the target man. Let Windass run on. Uh, change, go long, change the formation, do something. And we sat there and banged our heads against the wall. But the reason that I, what I wanted to bring up, and and I'm curious to see what you guys think about this, is I kind of held a lot of blame on Moore and Smith. Yes, many players had an off day. That's the coach's responsibility to recognize that and make the changes. The comments after the game from Moore basically said, we had a plan, the players didn't do it. And then the players who were interviewed actually said, we had a plan, we didn't do it. Now, I don't know how much of that is them covering for more. More doesn't seem to be the type of coach who's going to throw players under the bus. So I actually had my opinion change. And I'm wondering if it wasn't just, as Jeff started us all off with, a bad day at the office all around. We had a plan, the players didn't execute it, and it looked like that. Because from my initial perspective watching the game, I thought that most of the blame was on the coaching staff for that performance. But uh, do you guys think either way? What? Here's the thing with that: this? it's the 
the midfield, I like Bannon Byers and, and Backinson as midfielders at this level. They're all, they they they're were all killers players. the previous two games, right? But yeah, they're not, they're, they don't like Bannon. We know how Bannon likes to play. Um, Byers, you know, he's, he'll, he'll get in there and he'll break up play, but he's, he's going to look to make a pass pretty quickly, whether long or out to the wings. Like he's more of a, not a holding midfielder, but more of a, of a, you know, a, a tiki taka kind of player. And this was again a game that cried out for someone, and I know they're both hurt, but like a a, a Denneran or a Deli Bashiru that would just get the ball with their back to goal, turn on the press, and say, "Okay, take the ball off me." Because they're because they're man to man, right? And you and need to be able to you, muscle somebody one on one. Yeah. Or you have to be, and like, look, Bannon can be a little tricky at his his feet with his Cruyff turns and stuff, but he doesn't really go anywhere with it, right? It's to create space for him to do the things that he does well. And then after the subs, he ended up being the furthest back furthest midfielder, back, which is maybe. the whole fucking problem we've <laughs> had for the last two years, right? And look, again, I, I, I will like I did not think Barnsley were great, but again, Barnsley were certainly the better team on this day. Uh, they were they were full value for the three points. Well, they points, executed and, yep, their yep, game plan, yep, right? Yep. And that's again, I, we I, we were never in that game. Yep, that's the thing, right? And it, it, it like they never really looked threatening. I think one thing I would add though is when the subs came on, it was yeah, Justin. You said like sixty-three minutes or whatever. Something. Yeah. yeah, I remember thinking like at that point, it was like watching a team that were one nil down, which I think they were at that point yep. in the eighty-fifth minute. They were just pumping that like it was mm. chaos. Like I, there was like Iofa was like running up, and then he, someone else would be in the uh, the defense, and well, I, I was like, what? Like I, I couldn't quite figure out like what the tactic what was the plan was. Right. like what was the what was right the plan? if you're gonna make those adjustments like again uh, part of the problem is because of injuries or whatever else um that like you know michael smith has not really played a significant amount a significant uh amount of minutes with the the first team so far um you know that you're introducing an attacking player and Alex Mighton that both hasn't really played a lot with them. literally just started at the the pizza cup at midweek with basically none of the players that were playing in uh in Saturday's game, but also isn't like I like what I've seen from him, but he's kind of a weird fit as a attacking midfielder with two strikers in front of him. I think it does kind of sort of limit his his sort of ability to roam and, and and be difficult for defenders i think it, kind of, it, it might have him in a little bit uh, I, I kind of like him more as the the little man off the big man and more of a second striker role i mean we'll see how that plays out over the over the coming weeks i think it's really too early to to say off yeah. no but, Kurt, but chris chris you're right because because we brought in james smith mighton and wilkes and suddenly we had smith mighton Wilkes and Gregory, who are all frontline players, and two of them are basically hold up players, you know, ball in the box strikers, along with two wingers. Like, that's we don't play a 4 2 4. Yeah. So it was very, everybody felt out of position. I was, Chris, I mean, you know how I think about it. I was scrambling to try to figure out what formation we were doing. Uh, and I didn't like McGinnis coming out either. Yeah, I thought he was the back line well, that did yeah. 
He was the best guy on the back line. It, it struck me as a moment of if you've ever played fo uh, football manager on like the PC from you know '95, it was like all out attack. You put all every player kind of in every the sort of six positions up front, and you leave one but defender back and just hope that you might the trick the game to give you a goal, right? And it, it just I, I couldn't get it. I, I didn't I didn't understand it. But I think um, there was a lot of uh fallout from that game online uh which i thought was woefully unfair right um it, it's w one game if you look back over the um if you said after six seven games wednesday would be kind of where they are from a position perspective performance you would you would have probably uh, uh taken it but also the players on the pitch have to take some form of um responsibility for either not implementing the plan which is what he said but also recognizing after six minutes, like shit, this isn't going well. We've got to do something for it, and that squad is probably a championship squad, right? It's not a full of veterans one. too. Like, yeah, right? it's like it's experienced right. players. So, like, use it, right? Use it to your ability. Chris, all of us on Twitter knew it after ten <laughs> minutes. I know that. Yeah, and, it's, uh... and we just stood around and, and kept on doing the same old thing. Is it just, you know what? I, I think I think the real issue was coming off of the poor performance in the Pizza Cup. Even though it's the Pizza Cup, it was a ten-man change squad. Nobody actually gives a shit. We're just such an angsty fan base that you know the opportunity to let things rile us up seems to come up quick. And and given the fact that even though it's not a derby, it's a local game, and you know that. Barnsley packed the way end and they were loud and proud. And, and, you know, when you have those games at Hillsborough where we've lost, you know, four times in the last year, it's, it, it feels a little extra frustrating. Um, you know, especially given the fact we, we could have been top of the league if we had taken three points. <laughs> as I, as I said, uh, every time that ha every time once they have a chance to go top of the league, just, uh, ship it in your ACA that they're not going <laughs> to, <laughs> get the results but it, it, for as bad as they played you know if lee gregory puts away one or both of those chances that he got in front of goal and like the, the, i think it was a little they, they were not easy the keeper i think did really well in the first one especially but you know if you if he puts those away on a on a on a sharper day it is going to be maybe a little bit different game so you can look at it like again, i thought barnsley were full value for the three points but perhaps on a different day it plays out a little differently. But this is the only day we have to talk about, and we've talked about it enough, I think. So Sounds like football. Yeah. We will uh, take a break, come back, cover the Wednesday news, and preview the upcoming League One fixtures. Now it's time for the Wednesday news. The transfer window has swung shut since we last recorded. I don't know really why we ended up recording the day before the transfer window shut. That seems kind of silly in hindsight. But regardless, despite some rumors that some major members of the first team squad might be moving out, although I don't know how much was actually in those, in the end, only one Wednesday first team player heads out and is Alex Hunt on a permanent move to Grimsby Town, where he was on loan last year. Yeah, uh, a player that I think had some promise at various times in the youth setup, but you know, I, I he the only first team action he really saw I think is was in the 
Pizza Cup game on Tuesday and didn't really look at it in the way you'd want for a midfielder in this squad and he's like eighth or ninth choice at this point and you know you've got to make professional decisions he had a good run at Grimsby last year so I think you just uh, say bon voyage and wish him the best yep 100% I I think at his age he has to be out playing games and he had net to zero opportunity to do that at Sheffield Wednesday just given you know that they went out and did what they did in the in the transfer window he i think he would have even struggled to get on the bench of um bench this year so absolutely probably the the right decision for him the right decision for the club i'm also kind of glad it's not alone as well because you you're really just sort of kicking the kicking the ball down the field at, at that point um so i am glad and I, it, he'll be one of those players i think which you'll sort of just uh, you know, keep keep an eye on and see what see what they do, and um, and uh, just just watch from a watch from afar, right? You'll be one of kind of those those youth players um, that you just think, okay, well, what could have been, and just see how he so he gets on, and well, I hope he does we'll, we'll really have, well, and he we'll have one of those this week. So. <laughs> well, and he may, you know, in all honesty, like he's a Sheffield lad, like he's he's from here, he's from the academy, he's been here, like. Get out there, do your thing, my friend. And if, if you're if you're looking good in three four years, like let's let's meet up again. And otherwise, hey, never I think really the nice ha- thing about this never really happens though, does it? As a thing, and I do wonder. Like, no, but you can't really point to the. It is that been a problem we talked about on the podcast for years now, but you can't really point to the player that has come up through the youth system and really made it whether here like as annoying as it is you can point to sheffield united players all over the england squad right now right they came out through their youth system and wednesday have just not been able to to do that um and i it's you know it's a for a lot of these players i understand it's tough like we're going to talk about liam shaw in a in a minute i'm sure when we get to the the morikum preview and you look at you know if you're liam shaw you're osaze or gahide and celtic come calling at the age you are in the place in your career from a from a wages standpoint from a, a, a training and development standpoint from an opportunity to play european football standpoint which sheffield wednesday cannot offer you i, I get it but then you end up in a situation where you know you're back on loan at morricom or your gahides in the belgian first division somewhere this year and you know again it's it's your you gotta you gotta go get your minutes but again you're not you know you're in you know, you're in weird situations now. You have a squad that's probably even more more difficult to break into. Like, would would Urgahide be playing every week for this team this year? I think probably. Mm-hmm. You don't think so, Chris? Chris, Chris does not. No, no I don't I, think so. I, I thought he would. He was one of those players which I, I thought did really well. Like, he did well in the FA Cup tie away at Brighton. You don't think on the right yeah, of the center back well in... three that you don't think so? Not with the players that they brought in. Yeah. Like, I, I just... Um, I really like um, McGinnis. I think he yeah. uh, he he is doing sure. really well. Um, I think I offer that first couple of games. I'm like, oh gee, like we're never going to see see him back. Um, I thought he he did well against Forest Green. Um, so take of that what what you will. Um, but but I yeah I just there's a reason why this kid is in the first division of um, wherever he is playing, and there's a reason why Liam Shaw 
18 months after leaving Sheffield Wednesday has gone to Celtic, not really done it and end up at Morecambe. Like, there's a reason for that. And the reason is that yeah. he's he's found his level at Morecambe and he's found his, not probably found his level at, he ain't going to play for Celtic. He's, yeah, I mean, I guess, again, it's sort of like, probably not. it's one of those problems where, where teams just, if you're Celtic, you just can scour League One or Championship teams and buy up every interesting youth player because you have the money to do it and a certain percentage of them will work out. It's what you know what Chelsea did for not for years and years and years. It's just some of them will work out. Some of them you'll be on the fringes of your squad and go to get a fee for like you're gonna get a fee for Tammy Abraham or whatever and stuff like that. Or you know, Michael Hector. I'm sure they got some money, but like not enough to stave off FFP, God knows. But that's just a thing you can do, right? <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. well, didn't they get like five million pounds for uh, Michael yeah, Hector? Yeah, so they, whatever. That's nothing yeah. to them, obviously. It's not even yeah. cover Thomas Tuchel's buyout, but <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but that's th- th- it's like th- that's a, a less advertised way that these teams throw their money around, right? It's just you can buy up every interesting youth player, and you know, every it's not you know, every large team does it. It's not just Celtic, obviously. Um, Oh, go, going back to Alex Hunt, though, I will just say, I think you guys both have the right of it, which is this is a, a very amicable breakup. It mm-hmm. works well for both teams. Uh, we get a little bit. He gets some playing time. And, and I think most Wednesday fans will wish him well and uh, hope that he does well with Grimsby. Because, again, you, you, you do never know. We always like to write off players when mm-hmm. they have some potential and they haven't reached it by 22, 23. Yeah. But... You know, Liam Palmer is a great example. We'll talk about him in a minute, but he's a great example. Somebody who, you know, maybe didn't reach his peak until his his mid to late 20s. And uh, it'd be really nice to see Alex Stein um, take everything that he's learned from watching Baz and and playing in the system and and maybe turn himself into a, you know, legitimate lower division football league player. I'm certainly rooting for him. Speaking of Liam Palmer, I guess we did again. We missed Player of the Month discussion last week. We could have used that to. <laughs> I thought that about, about ten minutes after the pod, but Liam Palmer. I think we all would have voted for him. Yeah, Liam Palmer, uh, Player of the Month for August. Yes, I can't really think of a of a counterexample of a better candidate. He had a great month. So much so, yeah. he is up for EFL Player of the Month. Uh, Darren Moore is also up for EFL Manager of the Month, and. Uh, this is apparently a thing that exists. Uh, Saudelli Bashiru is up for the Liga Cup round two player of the round or whatever. It was a great goal. Give it to him. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, whatever. If you can, if you want to go stuff the ballot box Wednesday supporters, I encourage you. Why not? I We should do it. I'm not sure any of those three actually deserve that award, but let's stuff Yeah, I have not paid. I've not played close enough attention to get the name out there. Yeah. Get the name out there. Uh, injury updates. You know, Michael Smith is back in the squad. Obviously, came out as a, you know, started, played 45 minutes in the Pizza Cup, was a sub on Saturday. Uh, Adenarin and Philly uh, and FDB still carrying Knox. I, it's, I don't know. Annoying, basically. But uh, especially for Adenarin, who's looked good in the, in the time you spent on the pitch, but it's one of those things too, where at a certain point, you know, you get a, you get that injury prone tag or whatever it is put on you. And we might be getting close to that point with him. I, I feel so like that kid must, like he, 
it's tough, right? I mean, he, yeah. he had a really bad injury last season, didn't really get much game time. Um, this season hasn't had much game time, but came on and I thought actually done pretty well in the couple of games that he played. And he obviously scored some absolute kind of worldy, worldy goals. And you would think like if he could have just been on the subs bench a couple of times, got, you know, 30, 40 minutes, that those games, um, he would have been in a vibe to, to start. And you read online, it sounds like it's, it's not a couple of weeks. This is multiple week kind of injuries. So you would think, okay, well, you know, you're not going to see him until, uh, well, there aren't really any games in November, just two, but you know, you're probably not really going to see him now until December. And that's kind of, you just think like you really want him to get his career going at Wednesday and it's not quite got there just yet. Uh, Hennigan was, uh, have a few more weeks in the co-commentators booth. If that's the thing they, they want to do. I think, we're, I think, I think we're okay. We, we, we I, made our I, debut. We were, we were I don't, stiff as a board. And, and so I don't even like, training, my friend. I don't even mind when they do like, they've done this with Hutch when he's been out they, with David. Yeah, Pratt but, but Sam that. Hutchinson was a star. Yeah. And David Pratton is like now a presenter. Yes. Go, right. Yeah, they yeah. should immediately go to media. Yeah. And again, knew his stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. just and very... obviously, but this is not. I think it's also you, my really, really tough when you're like a like active. Not even active, because I mean Prutton was, and I mean Prutton was sort of. He was out for like eighteen months at the time. He had a really bad injury. I think Hutch was in the same boat though, right? Uh, he was yeah. out for a while. For a while, yeah. Um, but they were. I mean, Prutton was an established veteran footballer that had been at the club for a while, as was Hutch. Like, so they could be a little looser with. I mean, they're still going to be kind of like Pat and very pro winded but like for Hennigan, who's been here like a, a hot two months, like he's not going to say like, oh well, probably should have tracked back there a little better or stuff like that. Right. But, yeah. So it does right. put both him <laughs> and uh, and Rob in a little bit of a spot. I, I don't know what, what happened to um do, do you think it was a last minute thing like him I, doing the coke cons yes, or like yes, I think I assume so yeah I mean I don't think like what last, did last somebody night. pointed out I asked in the social group where where's Pearson is he limited contractually to uh Sheffield BBC games or I don't whatever know. Um, I mean he did game he did games on iFollow earlier in the year uh, he wasn't earlier at the, this year. He wasn't at the Pizza Cup game, but I assume they just only are going to send one person. Well, to... that's what I thought. But Rob, Rob made some very vague he did, statements yeah. about like, I would love to work with John again. I don't know so, what the contract John in the hospital. Like, did he get fired? <laughs> what is going on? I, I, I would like. Uh, I guess we'll John find Pierce out. At, my, I guess we'll find out at the weekend if week. he's doing. If he, I assume it's going to be him and. And Rob Staten on the because it's an away broadcast. I hope so. so. My my kids always get so fired up uh, when when John does a game and they go, "Oh my god!" When they yell "Hi ho Sheffield Wednesday," the commentator does too. And I go, <laughs> yes, that's John Pearson. He's the yes. best. We love him. So yeah, there was a debate. There was a debate on them. Um, I still listen to like UK um, sports radio, and mm-hmm. there was a there was a debate going on there whether commentators should be um like that right like um should they should they be joining in with chance should they be like cheering well, when the team scores i i mean i think the situation is slightly different but i absolutely think they should be and like, it's they, like uh, robin robin john too they'll they're not like they'll say like oh wednesday got away with one there or they, they're not they're homers but they're, they like they want wednesday to win but they're not like 
They're not like shouting referee. As, as a or Bostonian, yeah. we, we we have a couple. Uh, uh, Tommy Heinsohn is. <laughs> Tommy Heinsohn's the most famous. Our current hockey announcer, Jack Edwards, mm. is reviled throughout the rest of the nation for his homerism. I get it. I I think that John's Rob is a little bit better than John about keeping it neutral, but uh, John's enthusiasm for Wednesday is so pure, yeah. um, and you know that it's just coming just coming from from the right place i i want to hear him back uh so i hope that it's simply a scheduling conflict or or thing right and and we and we get him back and it's not like you know if if, it's a lot of fun if somebody pumps in a a world against jeff on wednesday they'll give it due credit it's not like they're just doing the 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 road team baseball announcer like they like they, right. they, they get, oh, when, bi- when big stuff yeah, yeah. Oh. when big stuff gets ex- when big stuff happens they get excited i think they're appropriately excited about it you know where their loyalties lie and that's fine it's you know i think soccer is in its way so partisan the fandom just by its, by its nature that i don't <laughs> think you want the really like you know, look, Barry Davis is great for like the big matches where you're a neutral and not in, but yeah, I don't want, you know, I don't want him cover, I mean, covering Sheffield Wednesday games, right? Yeah, we don't have big matches, Jeff. We're, yeah, well, that's also part club. of the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is Wednesday news. And that takes us to Plymouth Argyle. And once again this week, we somehow found an American League One fan. Troy Maine, Plymouth Argyle fan, Wisconsinite. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. This is really fun. I'm really glad that you reached out to us for uh, our observations. So we have to start with this again, as I said to the Forest Green Rovers fans a couple weeks ago. Uh, silly to say as an American Sheffield Wednesday fan, but why an American Plymouth Argyle fan? Good question. Been asked it a few times. Uh, so my my story is uh, my my brother... My younger brother uh, spent some time in in uh, London and has married into a, le- a to a premier a longtime Premier League family. Let's say so. In 1995, I I went to a a Premier League uh, a, a Premier League team match, but because this is a League One podcast, we don't <laughs> you know, who cares who it was, and uh, that was my first dip into English soccer. I came home and as a good you know, upper Midwesterner thought I can't just go from not following English soccer to choosing one of the top league teams. I need to struggle like everybody else does. So uh, my family heritage is Cornish. My my last name, Maine, is, uh, is a Cornish name. And so I looked for a team in the Southwest and chose the team is that's the largest city in England that has never played in the top division of its domestic league so i think i chose well from the struggler standpoint so where uh, where what league were they in at that time well so in so 90 95 is when i when when i uh, went to london for a match uh this other team and in the spring of 96 uh argyle won at wembley to move to uh to then the second division um, I'm sorry. Then the third division, right? League, <laughs> league one, basically League one. They were they moved to League one on a on a great header by uh, Ronnie Maje, and uh, things moved from there. So, what is the the Plymouth Argyle support in the U.S. like? 
It is. Uh, it, it's 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 growing, but it's growing by you know one by one. So um, you know, I guess this gets to. I mean, well, to put it this way: until 2019, there was no such thing. I think as an organized uh, American supporter group uh, for Plymouth Argyle fans. Um, and uh, so what we've been doing is, is uh, you know, slowly but surely via the Twitters, uh, been finding people and many of them are, are expats that thought they were the only Argyle fan in all of America. Um, but we actually have, you know, a good, a good number of, uh, of Americans that, and, and they, they tend to come from American lower league soccer, which is a, which is a lovely place in and of itself uh, in terms of, of true support for, uh, you know, the community aspects of your team and, and, and what it, what it really takes to, uh, you know, to, to, to be a long timer in for the long haul, let's say. So I guess sort of, has it been easier with the sort of the advent of iFollow and the ability to watch? I, I don't know if Plymouth actually has a, has a weekly subscription service like Wednesday does, but you do get a lot of, lower league football that you just could not have seen even five years ago really outside of maybe one sky game a month or something like that got picked up by your random cable station but now you've got you know espn plus shows league one games i mean if you don't want to shell out the whatever they're grifting you for i follow it's a lovely service today, but it's a lot of money whatever you whatever they're <laughs> charging this year for i follow um you can still probably get you know for you know a, a game a month or something like that because they do pick up a lot of games um and all of course all the cup competitions now uh are also on espn plus and stuff like that you think that's made it easier to uh, recruit fans in because they can actually watch it and don't have to listen to like a, an audio broadcast in their car or something like that Absolutely. That, as I was thinking uh, today on my commute home about our, our discussion tonight, uh, that's exactly what I was thinking about was who would have thought five years ago that we'd be in a position where you could be promoting a third tier English, you know, football team, not, I mean, basically on its own merits, right? Okay. If, if you like the colors, if you like the, the fan support, if you like a player, um, you, you like know, that they're all vegans. Yeah, the FGR guys are a great yeah. example of that. Um, that that you could sell so you shell out two hundred and fifty dollars, and you might accidentally really fall in love with them, and then now you now you're paying two hundred fifty dollars a year forever. You know. So Plymouth off to a good start this year, uh, much like last season uh, in third place a, a spot ahead of Wednesday going into this match we'll see where the the table stands when they kick off but uh early thoughts on the season so far uh well I I, I guess you, you can't help but look back at what the prior season was when 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 you think about where you sit and I, I don't know how closely you looked we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the bad news first right <laughs> we're gonna talk about how we ended up last year which was we just absolutely ran out of gas nothing in the tank we we sat in a playoff spot for much of the you know the home stretch last season, and then the last four matches were all against other uh, you know top six teams, and we needed one win, and we could not get one win, and uh, you know it was it was hard, uh, but I think everybody that follows Argyle knows that we probably punched above our weight class a bit last year. Um, 
we have a lot of confidence in our front office, our owner, our, our, our sort of strategy for the way we're building the club going forward. Uh, so my answer for what I feel about this season is that it's fantastic news that we are off to a great start that seems to show that we're, we're pushing on from where we, where we ended up, let's say in the fifth to the last game <laughs> of last season. How about that? Do you think there was a, you know, there was obviously a flying start to the season. I know when, when Wednesday went there last year, got absolutely blown off the pitch. Do you think there was a, a hangover after Ryan Lowe left? And how have they sort of, I know that uh, Schumacher obviously was in his uh, backroom staff, so was very familiar with the way he plays and has tweaked some things. But you think, how has that sort of transition been over the over the long term? It's it's been it's has been really interesting to watch. Um, if you looked at last season, we did have some peaks and valleys, and I I mean I I'm too I'm I'm literally thousands of miles too far away to be able to say what the backroom <laughs> effect was of all of that, um, but. Uh, Back to what I said earlier, I think that our team at the moment is built, our, our, our organization at the moment is built around more than one person. And uh, Neil Doosnip, who is the director of football, has uh, you know a, a, a great, great resume. He won a, actually, he's a gold medalist with a, a Canadian gold medalist. He was uh, part of the Canadian uh, women's staff uh, that helped them, uh, win the gold this last year. So he, and also sponsored by Argyle USA, we, our, our American supporters chipped in funds and we support Neil. So uh, shout out to Neil, if he's listening to our podcast, uh, <laughs> doing some reconnaissance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, so, so I, I would say that the, the team was prepared, the, the club, the organization was prepared for that option i think we all kind of knew that ryan Lowe wouldn't be with us forever i don't think ryan Lowe ever let anybody think that he would be with us forever we were all kind of surprised that he made the jump as soon as he did and you know and to preston right that, that has to be a little bit of a surprise yes i i, I think i mean <laughs> i think pure geography and we'll see how it all bears out um you know that that was that's where he's from you know, he's from he's from that that area I can understand why it looked attractive to him and I, whatever. I'm, I'm not going to get too salty about it. Ryan's got to do Ryan, I guess. I think we've seen too with the, with the Sunderland, I don't know if I call it a mess per se, but the Sunderland managerial kerfluffle that the, you know, the, the, there's a lot of money for a manager in the championship, even if it's literally Preston North end, apparently yeah. 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 <laughs> compared to league one. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm taking this a little far afield, but I mean, Steve, Steve Schumacher, he moved his family down to mm -hmm. Plymouth. And, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges that, that Argyle has is in English terms, if not in American terms, it's a long, long way from, you know, from other places to, to Plymouth. And, uh, you know, Shuey has kind of, as, as, has, endeared himself to the community and has at least shown that he's that he's committed to this i mean it's his first it's his first head coach coaching head managerial gig ever um i think it's a great opportunity for him we'll see what happens um but so far i i think he's i mean he's he's a very good tactical manager is what we all think that those of us that watch these matches together uh, zoom wise and this might be something to watch on saturday rarely 
does a halftime go by where he doesn't come back and you go, oh, he knew the adjustment to make. That doesn't doesn't always always win the match, but I mean he he knows the adjust he makes the adjustments and he reads the game well. I don't like hearing that. <laughs> no, I was going to say that that's, that's <laughs> concerning. Given yeah, given uh, the way that we are, can can I ask about? Uh, I, I notice you guys have a bunch of uh, young, talented players on loan. Quite young players, 19, 20, 22 year olds uh, on loan from some big squads. You said that was part of your overall. Uh, Pack, you're their director of football, really looking to get people in. What, what have you seen from those kids so far this year? Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just just for the the new folks this season. So, so Finn Azaz uh, has has just has opened everyone's eyes. Um, he he, uh, well, how did it? All of our loan, all of our loanees have been have been surprisingly good to start with, but it's a brand, but it's a brand new season. But I'm, I don't know if you, you guys recall, you know, Danny Mayer. Danny Mayer has played in lower league for for years and is, um, you know, he's our our man on the ball, the guy that makes the pass before the pass type player, and uh, and and he and Finn have really you know found a bond together. I think and. Um, He's 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 been a man to watch, um, no doubt about it. And I don't know, Justin, if you're referring to the to the Cosgrove, um, uh, you know. Well, what what is that? Of, I, I I saw that he had he has played 16 minutes all year, and he has two goals. <laughs> it was just you know, I mean, it's like I was thinking about that today and thinking, okay, so what sort of perspective can I give on Cosgrove? And it's like I, he he only touched the ball seven times, and two of those times was a goal. So is he? Is he great? I don't know if that, <laughs> that that I can say that. But what what was great about him was that you know during the loan process, so he had played at Lim- uh, Wimbledon, he had played a, at, at AFC, he had played at Shrewsbury, and when we took him on, you know, on whatever earlier in the week, uh, you know, for the for the loan, we, of course, we heard the usual Twitter slagging about how horrible he was, and um, you know the the response, of course, is well, what kind of service were you given the man at Shrewsbury and AFC? And then in the second half against Derby, I mean, just he did a fantastic job with both of his uh, his opportunities. Do you have a uh, do you have a set eleven, or do you guys? It, it kind of looks like you have some fairly heavy squad rotation. Is that in game? You tend to use. Does he tend to use all five subs, or is it a matter of starting with different lineups, horses for courses? Right. I, I I would say that that's that that's part of the step forward of this season compared to last season. I la- last year I don't think we had um, you know like for like swap outs where where there was not a drop off, and this year I I think we're we're getting closer and closer to that. Um, so yeah, I mean I I mean I I actually again you know for our, for our call I kind of jotted some thoughts down and and there's 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 more than one player per position that I think Shuey chooses from. So yeah, I, I, there's a bit of a horses for courses. Like like the Cosgrove move is an interesting one. So uh, you know Ryan Ryan Hardy, our our usual up top striker is the speed man. He's the guy to get behind. Um, uh, Niall Ennis uh, is is kind of the spark plug. You know he's the he's the 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 hold up guy. Except he's not a tall hold up guy. He's a he's a very strong hold up guy. So when they brought Cosgrove on, the thought was, in my thinking at least, 
all right, your classic, you know, your classic hold up the ball sort of player. And then I, you know, who knows after, after Saturday, because he, that's not the way he played, not the way he scored those two goals, but I'm, I got a smile on my face. Just remind me, Chris, who I'm asking Chris, I think he might know this. Who was the Wednesday player that scored like two goals in their debut and then like never scored again for the, the team afterwards? <laughs> I think it was like early two thousands. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, you could probably there's probably multiple of them, but yes, uh, yeah, I can't recall. Um, this thing. They, they they did the 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 squad did. You know, last year we played two men up front, and in the in the off season, one of the things that Shuey worked on was coming up with a plan B because uh, and and I, I can't say that I know that I'm tactical enough to be able to say what, but. Um, you know, it, it was said that they figured us out last year in the middle of the season with our with our our two men up front, and so they they started working on a plan B, which was to play depending on which of the Argyle uh, press you're reading. It's either a a three four three or it's a three four two one. There's clearly a point to the spear, and then a couple people that are that are withdrawn a bit behind it, and um, and. And you know that's that's kind of what you're going to see, and and I think it's a little bit of thunder lightning. So you've got you know you you, you may start Hardy to try to get the the speed, and Ennis to you know to to pulverize a little bit after that, or or vice versa. And how Cosgrove fits in, I don't know, but I I understood that maybe that's what they were trying to do by bringing him on. It was Reggie, it was Reggie Blinker, mayor. by the way, Chris. <laughs> That's who you were thinking Reggie of? Reggie Blinker, Jesus, yes. Jesus, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Aziz and, and, and Mayer in the 10 there, sitting behind yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, yeah, Azaz and Mayer will be the, Azaz, will, will yeah. be the two set, central midfielders. And then um, on the left, oh, Bali Mamba is the other, um, is the other loanee that we got that, is, that has been, you know, kind of lights out so far. He's been playing on the left because our, our left side wingers are injured right now and then joe edwards is our captain and kind of a long long time three you know three season sort of guy very you know very solid hard worker scrapper on the right hand side on the uh, offensive set do you do you expect to be you know obviously last year we, we saw that game at plymouth and you guys just sliced us to pieces it was it was actually frankly kind of impressive uh to to see disappointing on our end but do you, do you expect with the game being uh, at Plymouth that you will come out and attempt to attack? Or do you think there's a sense that Wednesday perhaps has enough firepower that whether you're at home park or not, it, it doesn't, you know, maybe your game plan is, is different. Right. Good, great, great question. Um, I, I think that Chewy tries to play positive possession football no matter what. Um, so I, I think that's probably what we try everywhere. Um, I do recall us getting thumped. We'll, we'll skip the FA Cup match, but in the league, in the league match, we you know we got thumped by you guys at Hillsborough, and I, I I don't recall it well enough to know other than I mean to I mean I I remember watching the match, but I think it was just one of those. It started going downhill fast, and we were playing a very experienced club that once they had us on the ropes, were you know knew what knew what to do with us. So 
I, I, I did. I looked at last season's results and it's like, wow, this looks like home team wins, you know, so far in, uh, in our, in our recent history together. I think with all due res- I, I, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was going to say, with all due respect, everybody should forget that third round FA Cup tie. I think it was on a at seven a.m. on a Sunday Sunday morning, and it what was it nil nil? It was yeah. perhaps the most boring game of football. Yes, yeah. I have <laughs> ever watched. It was it was pretty dull. And I think we made ten changes for the replay or something absurd. It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I believe, and I, and I could be wrong, but I believe the return fixture at Hillsborough was interesting because you guys, it almost seemed to be the home team. You guys had the possession in, in vast discrepancy, and we just smacked you on the counter a couple times early, and that, you know, and then we were able to just sit back and, and not worry too much about your possession. Um, so I, I think that would probably be Wednesday's goal uh, going in Saturday, although we've seen all year, we've tried to play on the front foot as well, so... I'm hoping for an exciting game. Well, it does sound like, uh, you know, Plymouth does seem to both score goals and concede goals. And God knows Wednesday are capable of doing both as well in any given week. So right. there will probably be goals in it. But in the longer term, you know, you mentioned that Plymouth were maybe punching a little bit above their weight last year. But, you know, is it brought in a, a lot of lone talent, for a lot of young lone talent from Premier League teams off to a good start? Is this a situation where the expectation is playoffs this year? I, I I think the team has absolutely set that as their goal. I mean, they they uh, I, I would say the beginning of last year, the goal would have been to make the playoffs this year. And and the key would be to not get disheartened and distracted by the fact that we came so so close, but just short last season. Um, the I you know, I I. I know that in the long term, uh, you know, the club is 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 building a a style of football. There, it's a very data driven, goal oriented approach to the team that um, that our that our owner has insisted is the way we're going to play from now on, and I'm mean, not even just play, but the way we're going to you know progress from now on. Um, so I I would say that the, the the squad knows that knows what they have to do, and that includes this year having having that as their goal. You might have dodged the question there. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of the passive voice there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Troy, thanks for joining us. Uh, and as we say in all these segments, uh, good luck the rest of the season, but not this week. Yes. Ex- exactly. Hey, one one more quick question from me. Uh, how happy are you to see uh, the backside of Scott Twine out of this <laughs> league, huh? <laughs> what, what was that? I didn't hear that. How, how happy are you to see Scott Twine out of the way? Oh, no. Kidding. <laughs> how good is he? Huh? See, now the mind games are starting. Yeah, so we, we, well, now we have to talk about the last match. Of last hey, he, 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 torched, he torched us twice last year, too. He, he, he was just, he was a dominant player. At this level, if it, if it makes you feel better, it couldn't have been worse than the last game of Nottingham Forest season uh, two years ago, and they managed to get up shortly after. So, yes, no, actually, Justin, I, the, 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 the you have, you're not the first person within Argyle world to have mentioned that about this upcoming season that not seeing him in a Don's shirt is going to be just fine. So, 
All right. Well, thanks so much, gents. Thanks. Also, I want to say hello to my guys down in New Orleans. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot. Care me. In April, I saw them at Finn's. I had an Argyle shirt on. and uh, Oh, beauty. I what, yeah. I wondered what these blue and white striped fellers were doing at the end of the bar. and uh, Getting drunk. And it, yeah. Exactly. So I accidentally kind of crashed a, a, a Sheffield Wednesday, uh, you know, viewing party. So that we was do fun. our best to create League One corners and bars across the country. So <laughs> nice meeting you guys. Yeah, great right, here. Yeah. Thanks. Morecambe, which, Jeff, my favorite thing about Morecambe is that they have been your designated League One whipping boy over the last couple of years. Whenever you need my, an example of how shitty League One is, no, my it always point comes is, back to Morecambe. <laughs> they play, they play a certain way, and Wednesday needs to figure out how to beat the teams that play that way in those kind of parks. Sometimes, in, at mid, in a, often at midweek. <laughs> park that holds 6,900 people. I believe they have an away stand of 1,500. Mm-hmm. We will pack it out. It's already uh, sold out. More, yeah. I'm sure. Morecambe plays at the Mazuma Stadium, which is their current uh, naming rights. They played at a stadium for many, many years, and this is a newer one. Uh, Morecambe is bad. They are 23rd <laughs> in League One. No wins, four draws, uh, three losses. Uh, they have four points. They are a Dash eight, as we would say in hockey, on the goal difference, uh, four goals for 12 against. They are winless at home because they're winless overall. Uh, they have two draws and a loss and a minus four goal difference at home. Uh, last year, uh, the first Morecambe game, I don't know if you guys remember, is the Adenaran own goal in the 63rd minute. And that was my welcome to League One moment where it was clear <laughs> we should be crushing this team in their tin pod stadium and that was off like a dumb corner kick that oh that's exactly right bounced around yeah and hit a dinner and yeah peacock pharaoh made the probably should have probably should have caught it yeah yeah uh, i was just it was so bad thankfully we did return the favor we beat them two nil at home so morecambe is a, a coastal town in lancashire uh the club was formed in 1920 this is their 16th year in the football league. So as you can imagine, I did not go into the details on the preview, but they have been in every Southwestern Lancashire council league and, and all that for quite some time. They are now, thanks to the relegation of AFC Wimbledon last year, they're the only club uh, in the English football league to have never been relegated. Um, They've only moved their way up the league. Uh, They are of course known as the shrimps, thanks to their, uh, well, coastal uh, status and their main business um not the most interesting squad um their their manager is a man named derek adams he's a <laughs> the the best way i could describe him when looking through is a bit prickly uh he's a overly religious scotsman who manages to piss everybody off that he comes across uh, oftentimes players on his own team um this is second stint at the club he took them up to League One through the playoffs two years ago. Um, he has a good tradition of promotions as a manager, uh, but he is a set my defense firmly and we will try to counterattack you um, with long balls. Uh, in the past, he has done the 
4-2-3-1 and not the exciting 4-2-3-1, but the Mourinho 4-2-3-1. Uh, this year, he has traditionally, most of the games, I believe all but two of their games, they played with three at the back, which, uh, again, for a manager of that mindset is five at the back. Um, the most interesting player on this team, Jeff, as you alluded to, of course, is Liam Shaw, uh, the 21-year-old central midfielder who has one appearance for them. He played all 90 minutes, and that was enough for whoscored.com to give him the highest player rating of the season for any Morecambe player. Um, they have a couple wingbacks who they like to create through on the counter. Um, they have a young central midfielder, Jensen Weir, who can score. Um and uh, that's about it. This is not a particularly good team. Um, they are at home, but I, I see no reason not to get three points off Morecambe other than the shit show that I witnessed last year. I do think this will be an interesting test. Again, they should just take the three points and we should all move on with our lives. <clears throat> so we'll do I right was now. just looking. Okay, go ahead, fine. <laughs> I, uh... Morecambe have won it, with Derek Adams in charge. He's taken charge of 23 games. Uh -huh. He's won four. That's if we take all it's three a... points, we should move on with our lives. <laughs> this team, like we, this won't happen. But Sheffield Wednesday should put this team away quickly, and we should move on. But it won't happen. It'll be one nil. They'll be... win one nil and like a yeah. Yeah, penalty in the 70th minute. Yeah. yeah, it would be a scrappy, horrible game. And we'll cover it next week. But this week, you've been listening to episode 187 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast, podcast intro and bumpers, I follow Wednesday as Reverend of the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you chose. Choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Or if you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. So it's more Wednesday to find our ramblings. Chris is the social media master at Owls Americas. Chris, uh, how will the dodgy penalty in the 70th minute against Morricum happen? <clears throat> They'll hit the post. It will bounce off a Morecambe player and trickle over the line in a mud puddle. <laughs> Wet weather prediction, too. Mm. I love it, Chris. Justin is on Twitter. Can they do it on a cold, rainy night in Morecambe? Justin is on Twitter, at New England Owl. Justin, how will the 70th minute penalty that Wednesday used when the game happened? I'm thinking that Callum Patterson is finally going to uh, start getting breaks on his flops. Uh, it worked last week. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking we got a trend here. Callum Patterson flopping on some borderline contact draws the call. Mm. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and I am going to go with a dodgy handball off a banning corner kick that doesn't beat the first man. And we'll see you <laughs> back here next week.